Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. How many feel good in your soul? My four people. How many feel horrible in your soul? Y'all alive? Amen. Let's go to... Um, I want to try to do like some recap because it's been just a little bit uh, since I've been up here. Um, let's start in the book of John chapter 1. And then... We're going to get to Hebrews chapter 1 is where I want to get to. But I want to do a little bit of re um, just to kind of remind us of where we've been. Um, so John chapter 1, verse 38. We're going to stay right in the same vein where we've been at. Um, I've been gone for, I think this, I've been going out for two Sundays. We took the fourth off and did online, and then we were out of town last Sunday. And so uh, Pastor Junior was here, and so it's been a couple of weeks, so uh, I may be a little rusty, but uh, the Lord's going to help us, amen? Um, so, um, but we're glad you're here, and uh, we're ready to get into the Word you don't you you don't have to help me, baby. Thank you. So I know that that'll relieve you. If you just get me some of the uh, some Dappy D keys back there, I'll be good. It just helps me out a little bit. Also, too, uh, on Wednesday night we've been uh, Pastor Mitch and I. You we, you'll pick us back up this uh, coming Wednesday night. So he and I was able to get our schedule together. Man, we had a really good time in here on Thursday. Um, he and I. That's usually when we uh, do recording. As um, on Thursday, someone called me uh, Thursday afternoon. I think it was about 2.30, and I said, I just got done preaching. He said, where are you preaching on Thursday during the middle of the day? I said, just to a camera, man. But it was really good. So we're back in that series of accusations, so you want to catch that. It's uh, It was just really good this past Thursday. I really enjoy uh, our, our teaching together and our, our time together in that. So I believe that will be a, a great blessing to you. He and I are going to stay just continuing in that same vein. Uh, for the next little bit anyhow and so um and it's pre-recorded like that so you can catch it you don't have to catch us on wednesday night you can catch us whenever you get time to listen to it so i'm going to pray right quick and uh and let's just agree together that the lord's just going to use the gift that's on my life as uh, chris musgrove said one night he said he said, Lord, I place a demand on the gift. You place a demand on the gift that's in me, and God's going to just do something. But I've been, um, I've been in a vein, and I'm trying to uh, mine it out the best I can. I know enough, really, in some of this subject to be dangerous. Uh, but uh, I'm on a journey with the Lord, and I'm taking you on that journey. You know, this, I, I was just, yesterday we were down um, at the cabin, and you know, sometimes, man, we put so much emphasis on Sunday morning and um, whether the sound's right or the lighting's right, but worship really is simple. It's not, it's not a show. It's not a performance. It's just when you engage your heart to the Lord, that's when it becomes worship. You don't have to have a song. You don't have to have musicians. You don't have to have lighting or anything. It's only when we turn our heart to engage Him that it ever becomes worship. If not, we're at a concert. You with me now? 
And so it's just that simple turning. And uh, we were in there. Um, we had we were cooking some fish. We had caught some. Um, we'd caught some fish, and we were in there. Um, and then Zach grabbed a guitar. Grant and them had the guitars in there. And um, he just began to play just something real simple on that guitar. And immediately, you could just feel your heart turn towards the Lord. And so, so Father, I just pray this morning that you would continue to take us down a revelation of worship. Lord, I feel like that I'm in the biggest uh, change or, or just something's happening, Lord. It's something fresh in our lives and our hearts. And, Lord, you're trying to give us a glimpse of something fresh on the horizon. Father, I'm so tired of eating stale bread. I'm so tired of eating the yesteryears or, or maybe one day tomorrow it'll be here. Lord, I want to feast in the now, right now. The presence that's available right now. And Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you are always teaching us. You are always leading us. We are moving from glory to glory. You're transforming us from faith to faith and the glory to glory. We are moving, Lord. Even though it seems like, man, we're not doing anything. We are moving. We are moving in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Friend, God is so much for you that all your boat has got to be is setting in the stream. Even if you don't row, you're going to end up at the Father's house. The current is pulling us towards him. You with me? All right, let's go. Some of you ain't, some of you still on island time. I can tell it. Lord, have mercy. But if Steve will help me, it's going to be good. Now, you with me? You're going to be able to stay with me today. All right, let's go. The front row, if you will help the rest to join in. John chapter 1, verse 38. I'm going to go through a lot of recapping if you're not with me to take us into where I want to get to, into Hebrews chapter 1. I want to get into those first three verses. But So we're going to just jump through this very quickly to just so that we're all on the same page of John 138. This is where we started with, it's been a month ago now, but this is where we started at on that Sunday morning of John 138. He says, then Jesus turned around and saw, uh, saw that they were following him and asked, what do you want? They responded, Rabbi, which means master teacher, where are you staying? This I, I started a couple of weeks ago and said, this question still bids us today. What, what are we after? Are you with me now? Are we after a Sunday morning crowd? Are we after uh, lights and theatrics? Or after we are, are we after real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He said, tell us where you're staying. This has nothing to do with his physical address is. What they are asking him is tell us this communion. Tell us of the dance that you have with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? These three that we've been talking about the dance, if you will. Damon Thompson says it like this, the perichoresia of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that dance. And that God loved you and I so much that from the foundations of the world, he decided that he was going to have a family before Adam ever entered into the garden. Are you with me now? Before Adam ever was ever walking in the garden, before the Garden of Eden ever existed, the Father was in perfect perichoresia with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he chose that he was going to extend that relationship with you and I and invite us into this. See, this is mind-blowing because it goes everything against what I was taught as a young boy, that the Father tolerates us enough that he sent Jesus on the cross to die for us, to forgive us. Are you with me now? And because of Jesus' punishment on the cross, God really released his anger. Has anybody ever heard that? God released his anger upon Jesus on the cross. Now God tolerates us enough to let us enter into heaven. That is totally not what I'm preaching. 
What I'm here to tell you is that the Father loved you so much, come on, that he made a decision before Adam ever was into the garden. And he chose that I was going to be in that dance with him, and he made a way for me to enter into that dance. Even with all of my struggles, even with all of my faults and all of my failures, that the Father still bestowed his love upon me. He chose me from the foundations of the earth. I can't understand that. I can't figure that out. But God chose me before the foundations of the world that I would be in him and do good works in him. Are you with me now? So in John 1.38, their question is, what do you want? Jesus says, what do you want? What are you after me for? Are you after me for loaves and fishes or do you want real relationship? They said, Lord, we're after you to show us where you stay. Show us this communal thing that you got going on. Are you with me? So where are you staying? Now, let's look at this in Ephesians chapter 1. I've already released some, uh, I've already said some of this in the, right here. Ephesians chapter 1. All right. All right, look at this. Let's just start in verse 1. It's it's just that, that good. Dear friends, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. I thought I was made holy and righteous by going to church. Come on, somebody. Huh? I thought I was made righteous and holy by my Bible reading, by fasting, by the Christian disciplines. All of those are good, but they do not make you holy. You've been made holy and righteous. Come on now. By what? By being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Um, May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been. Look at this. What has what already taken place? Come on, y'all. We are. Every spiritual blessing. Well, I wish God would bless me. He already has blessed you. It's already taking place. It's already taking place. You have already been made holy. You have already been made righteous. It's already taking place. Well, pastor, why can't I just live right? Because you don't believe what has already taken place. Because if you will believe what has already taken place, you will begin to act it out in your life. Just like healing, we don't look for God to come down and heal us. God has already healed us. So we look back to healing over 2,000 years ago. Come on, the world needs to wake up. There's been a cure for cancer over 2,000 years ago. Are you with me now? That's why I can tell. I don't, well, pastor, you know, people still die. I buried them with cancer. I buried my own father with cancer. But I can tell you this today that cancer has already been dealt with in Jesus Christ. There was a church at one time facing polio and tuberculosis and all other kind of diseases, but God gave us triumph over that. And I believe we're going to see tremendous amount of breakthrough in the next decade when it comes to healing. Are you with me now? All right. So he has blessed us, not going to, but he has blessed us. Uh, In the heavenly realm has already lavished upon us a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us, what? All because he sees us wrapped into our mess. Is that what the Bible says? Because he sees us wrapped in who? Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Look at this. And he chose us. He chose us. Look at this word. He chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe 
because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. I was raised up and I heard this prayer in the church all the time. And you hear people down in the cell, I'm not trying to be a saint. I'm not trying to be a saint or nothing. Well, what are you trying to be, a sinner? I'm not trying to be a saint or nothing. Didn't you hear the language in the South like this? Well, I, you know, there was only one that walked on water. There was not only one that walked on water. Peter walked on water. And so we, we develop this identity that we are just sinners simply saved by grace. Friend, you can't find that in the Scripture. Pull Dappy down just a little bit. I'm out here on these limbs. I'm already treading out here with the calves. They, we, we knifing a few of them. We're just simply sinners saved by grace. You were a sinner before you met Jesus. You were card-toting, ordained sinner. You didn't have to think about sinning. It come by your, by your simple nature. Now, we know this, that you don't have to commit, you don't have to do any sins to become a sinner. You are born into that way because of what happened with your great-great-grandfather, Adam. Are you with me now? And so think about this. Because of Adam's failure, when you're born into sin, you don't have to do anything, and, you, and it becomes nature to you to do sin, right? Put two children up in the nursery. They don't want to share their stuff. Have you ever seen two little kids say, this is my truck, I just want to share it with you? No, we take your truck and, our, and the one we brought in here. Why? That's the nature coming out, right? But by one man's offense, death entered into. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans. By another man's obedience, righteous entered in. And so what the church has preached down in the South is so much on what Adam did that caused us to be, uh, that caused us to be very sin nature and be sinners. But we have got to learn how to preach the power of Christ's righteousness over the church. By one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Are you with me now so in this we well I'm just a sinner saved by grace Paul doesn't address any of his 13 epistles to the sinner saved by grace at Ephesus he writes to the saints friend and here's the truth you will act out of your identity what you believe you are as a man thinks in his heart so is he so if I start believing I am the righteousness of God that I am a saint of God what do you think will happen my behavior and will start be lining up with my identity and who I say I I am. All right. So listen to this. The scripture says that he chose me and he chose you before the foundations of the world, before the fall of man. God set the standard that I want you. I chose you. Not that I'm going to tolerate you, but I want you. I chose you. So creation is, is, is the beginning point of the eternal purpose which you and I would be adopted as sons and daughters of God. You with me? I'm just going through something. I've already preached this in a great deal. I'm just trying to stay, get us all to where we want to go to today. So what God says is one thing, but what we hear is quite another. For what we hear is inevitably shaped by our own anxiety and by our own um, mythology and by our own um, view of a God of our anxious imaginations. The revelation of God to us is irrespective of how powerful and clear it may be from God's side. It always proceeds through our mental glasses. So we, we went over this. We see in the Bible what we're prepared to see. 
according to how we was raised. If you was raised in certain denominations, you skip right over some things. If you was raised in another denomination, you skip over this, right? But we see in the Bible what we're prepared to see. Now, I remember when I was a young boy, I used to listen to Pastor Parsons a lot, and he said this, if you ain't got a Bible that you can write in, put it in a glass coffee case, in a glass case, he said, so, uh, and get you one you can write in. I do not mark my Bible up a lot. And here's the reason why. Not that I don't want to mark it up. It's just I never want to approach the text and think that I got it figured out because it is a living word. Are you with me now? So I don't want to take because I heard Steve preach on this text three years ago that I think I got the full meaning of this text. So I always approach the Bible with this in mind. Holy Spirit, you are the divine teacher. You are the author and the finisher of this book. You penned every word. Come on, somebody. And I want to approach it through your lenses. Help me to begin to see not what I'm already prepared to see, but let me see what you're trying to teach me right now. So we all see when God speaks, it's pure until it hits here. When it hits here, it goes through all of our lens, all of our filters, all of our hurts, and all of our thoughts that we've already portrayed on God. And now listen to this. How do you know? Because I I can only say I have traveled some, but I mainly preach down here in the south. But how many remembers this when the tornadoes hit our county? You remember that when the tornado come through our county? We had, what, eight, I think it was eight people that lost their life. We had 17 leaders in this room that we prayed. And for the majority of those 17 leaders, most of the thing that you heard is God is trying to show us something and teach us something because the tornado ransacked our town. Friend, I'm here to tell you something. I do not believe that God sends a tornado to get our attention. He sent Jesus to get our attention. Come on, somebody. He's the killing, stealing, and destroying are the works of the devil. Are you with me now? And here's what I do know, that bad things happen to good people, and I can't explain that, but I'm not going to get lost in some some theology that God's up here sending tornadoes through our town, taking the lives of teenagers and other people. Come on, that's not the work of my father. That is the work of the enemy. All right. All right. So, So in this redemptive plan... God God calls a man by the name of Abraham to establish a nation. He introduces the law through Moses. The law is given to expose the problem. The law was never the point. The point was is God and Israel is in relationship. God is back at work inside of his people. Just because Adam messed up, he didn't bite his fingernails saying, Oh, Lord, Jesus, they blew it down there, was totally lost. God is back in the picture, right in our own failure, right in our own Right in our own mess, he's, he's back with us. He's never left us, nor forsake us. Man, I'll never forget this reading. Jim Baker's book, the book, book he wrote, I Was Wrong, when, he, when, they, when the cops handcuffed him and threw him in the back of the car in his, in his deepest failure, he said this. He looked towards heaven and said, I want to die. He immediately heard the Lord speak back and said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. I'm with you even to the end, even in your worst failure. So God's back in the back in the situation here. All right. Now, in John 1, verse 14, we went over this. I'm just doing a recap here. The Bible says that the word become flesh and he comes to live among us and dwells among us, right? We identified that this word flesh does not just mean that Jesus became a human being. It don't mean that just Jesus just became a human being. It literally means the word flesh is the broken 
sin-stained, jacked-up, corrupt humanity. That's what he became. Jesus picks up this body. It's God inside this body. Come on, y'all. Jesus is inside the living word and has now picked up a flesh man on the earth. Even though he has that body, he never, he never has the fallen thoughts like Adam. Are you with me now? He takes that all the way to the cross, nails that to the cross, resurrects to the Father to save you and I, to end that nature of man, right? So when Paul talks about Romans, when he addresses the sin in Romans, he's not, the book of Romans is not dressing sins like plural, like, like, a, like a verb, like of actions you do, but it talks about the sin nature of man has been destroyed. I'm trying, Lord, help me here. I don't know if I'm doing this justice. I'm trying. The sin nature, I, like here's the thing. If you believe, if I believe as a born-again believer, that I've got to crucify myself to try to take care of the old. What If I believe that God is rebuilding the old John, I would never walk in freedom. God is not rebuilding the old John. God crucified and slayed the old John. Your old man died of supernatural causes. Y'all with me? You a whole new species. You've been regened. See the word adoption, and when we think about adoption is we pull somebody in our family, we give them the family rights, we give them the family name, but it don't matter as good as we can. They can't. They, they will never be our DNA. They'll never, they, I mean, you know what I'm saying, they, they just because I can play ball don't mean they can play. They don't have. But that's not the case with the adoptions of you and I. You and I have been brought in and regene. We have his DNA. Are you with me now? See, that's revelation when it comes to when you go to the doctor to fill out your family history. My family history has is, is got wealth in it. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I'm the seed of Abraham. I don't care what mom and daddy struggle with on both sides of their family. I've, I've been adopted and regened into a new family. Come on, somebody. Whether mom and daddy had high blood pressure, had cancer, all of these heart disease, all this, you got to put a stop to that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, somebody. Because you and I have been adopted into a new family. We've been regened and retooled. There's a royal identity flowing through my veins now. I might have come from the wrong side of the tracks, but now there's royal identity flowing through my veins. Are you with me now? All right. So the Word becomes flesh. He dwells among us. Now I want to get to this out of Hebrews chapter 11. And this is where, I mean Hebrews chapter 1. This is where I'm going to stay for the next little bit. Right here. Hebrews chapter 1. I love the passion translations of these verses of Scripture. All right. It says, throughout our history, look at this, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by His prophets in many different ways. The revelation He gave them was only a fragment at the time. Building one truth upon another, but to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and at all time. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, 
the exact expression of God's true nature. Look at this, friend. This is, I'm telling you, this is powerful. Just the word itself. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. Now, Bill Johnson says it like this. Whatever you see in the light, whatever you believe about God that you can't see in the life of Jesus, you have to question what you believe about God. Now, let me ask you something. Anywhere in the Bible do we see Jesus placing sickness upon people to teach them a lesson? Well, let me ask you something. Throughout my travels, how many people have I prayed for in the altar that says, Pastor, you know, I've got this terminal disease, but I know that God's trying to teach me something. That is a, that is, it, how, how many times, I, I can't go travel that that does not happen somewhere, someone will come up with me that. Because their view of the Father is that He's angry because of the lifestyle you're living, so therefore you're going to reap this. Hear me? Now let me just say this. If you're smoking three packs of cigarettes a day for 30 years, the Father ain't had nothing to do with that. That's your own choices. Huh? If you're drinking liquor every day of your life and you get cirrhosis, the Father ain't had nothing to do with that. You're sowing that into yourself. Come on now. Hear me? This ain't got nothing to do with the Father. But we have people that is... Preach that the Father's so angry that we got to deal with this, that He's trying to deal with this. So if the Father placed sickness, the Bible says Jesus in Acts 10, 38 went about doing good, healing all who was sick and oppressed of the devil. So if the Father's using sickness, then Jesus was going against the will of His Father by undoing sickness and disease on the earth. Come on now. Now we know that Jesus wasn't going against His Father's will. Are you with me now? He was going about healing all who was sick and oppressed of the devil. So the Bible says that in the times past, God spoke to us through the prophets. Now God was dealing with man. He was speaking through the prophets. He had a relationship with Israel, but all of his relationship was always at a distance. This is what I'm trying to communicate to you today. All throughout the Old Covenant, His relationship is with them, but it is a distance, it is a long-distance relationship. Now the twist and and how the story unfolds is now God is not working with Israel, but now He is on the earth inside of her working hand-in-hand, face-to-face, through the life of Jesus. And we read this in the previous, where it says that Luke 2, that that Jesus grew in wisdom and statue with God and man, right? right, So in that word, when Jesus grew, it literally means to plow and to forge ahead. What was he forging ahead? He's forging ahead a new mindset or a new way of thinking for Israel, how they see God. Because how they see God is this distant figure that will sometimes get involved in our life. He could be for us if we're doing good, but he's not for us if we're doing bad. And here's the real reality. You cannot do anything today to discredit the love that God has for you. 
I'm going to say that again. You cannot do anything. There is no sin that you can do. There's no cussing that you can do. There is nothing that you can do on the earth that will make God love you any less. And there is nothing you can do to make him love you even more. He set his love upon you before the foundations of the earth. He chose that I am going to adopt you whether you want to be adopted or not. Come on, y'all. So in my early ministry, when we, didn't, when we didn't pray enough or we didn't fast enough, I always felt less than walking to the pulpit. But what I found out, man, let me tell you something. God is passionate about me whether I'm on my boat or whether I'm in my office in deep amount of study. Come on, somebody. He just wants a relationship with me. He just wants to have a relationship with me. And he is not some long-distant father. Are you with me now? This is the earth-shocking revelation that Jesus is now on the scene. And he says, I come to put a face on the invisible father that you think he is. Because you see the destruction in the Old Testament and because you see men like David driving out whole kingdoms and and all of this to conquer, you've got an image of the Father that is incorrect and I come to put a face on him. And every action he did, he was forging ahead in their thinking to transform the way they think about the Father. Because when we hear people pray in church, this this is what we do. Maybe y'all didn't grow up in these kind of churches. Lord, we come just as humbly as we know how. We come just as humbly as we bow our heads, just as humbly as we know how before you. Nowhere in the scripture does it tell you to come to the Father that way. Y'all get mad at me if you want to right here. Steve, the Bible says come boldly before the throne of God. My children, if listen to me, if Asher is coming into my room to get my attention and says, Dad, I'm just a worm in your sight, but would you give me just a minute of your time? How many knows there's some incorrect stuff going on into my house? And so he, he boldly comes through that room and says, Dad, to get my attention. That is the same access that you and I have. You don't have to have a relationship with God through me or any other preacher or a podcast. You got access into the throne room of God yourself. All right. So Jesus is forging ahead with everything. Now here's the thing. The Pharisees had logical knowledge and like data knowledge and scriptural knowledge of who God was. The very men that were trained to recognize him did not even recognize him when he come. Come on now. But the ones that didn't have hardly no knowledge were pressing right on into the kingdom. Jesus was called the friend of sinners. He said, you'll see me and you'll call me a wine bibber and a gluttonous. Come on now. And he's hanging out with these people. And the Pharisees are holding this legalistic standard. They're still, God is at a distance from them. In the entire Old Testament, there are only 15 places where God is actually called Father. He's only called Father 15 times in the whole whole Old Testament. And even then, it is in general terms, nothing personal. 
Are you with me now? So we don't, there's a lot of people that pray into Jesus. You don't pray to Jesus. You pray to your Father. He said, our Father. Notice that he didn't say my, my, my personal Father. He said, our Father. Are you with me? So only 15 times as Jesus called the Father in the Old Covenant. Are you with me? Now, look at this. In John's Gospel alone, Jesus speaks of God as Father almost a hundred times. And 170 ti- 179 times in the four Gospels, He speaks of God as the Father. Y'all, I'm trying to show us something. I don't know if I'm, I'm probably not doing this justice enough. But I'm telling you, when He becomes your Father, everything about you begins to change. The fear will leave us when he becomes father. Anxiety will diminish when he becomes father. That Asher, he's my youngest. He's 10 years old. Do you think he's worried about what he's going to wear to school? Absolutely not. Do you think he worries about if the light bill is going to be paid? Absolutely not. Do you think he's going to worry about whatever he does this afternoon, whether we got the money to go do it or not? Absolutely not. Why? Because he believes and he knows he's got a father. And his father has a track record of coming through for him. Come on, y'all. That's why he said, Jesus said, Consider the lilies of the field and the sparrows. They neither toil nor work. Yet everything they need is provided for them. I'm a a passionate outdoorsman. I love the woods. I've never seen a sparrow wondering if she's going to make it through the winter. Because God provides. Come on now. And if he said, now consider them. How much more are you than the sparrow and the lily? If God comes through for them, how much more is he going to come through for you? Come on, y'all. Mind the Bible. He said, don't worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, for that will take care of itself tomorrow. And the main thing we worry about is if we're going to have a roof, clothing, and, and, and food. By the looks of most of us in here, we ain't too much worried about the food. <laughs> We've been eating something. I'll tell you, when I was in high school, I dated this girl, and anyhow, I better quit on that. I was at a family meal with her, and this girl kept passing by. She, one of her cousins, she was kind of a stout girl, and she kept passing everything that the, at the table. Wouldn't eat nothing. And so finally, one of her uncles spoke up and said, Listen here, now you've been eating something, so you might as well put it on your plate. <laughs> All right. I didn't get this way by fasting. So John's gospel, almost 100 times, 179 times in the four gospels, he speaks as God his Father. Jesus used the Greek word, which is Abba. And Abba is the word of a child addressing his father. Listen to this, Daddy. Daddy. All right? This is not the language of a distance or formality or religion rather this is a language of naturalness and assurance and awareness of real belonging they had never heard this language now we got Jesus on the earth and he's talking about a father that he has like their best friends they had never heard a prophet speak like this come on y'all even Abraham was called the friend of God. He was never called the beloved son. 
and you never heard Abraham refer to God as father. David was the man after God's own heart, but we never heard God say, this is my beloved son. Are you with me now? And we never heard David say, Abba, back to the father. Moses was close to God who spent 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain with God and he come down and his face is shining with the glory of God. But we never heard God say, this is my beloved son. And we never heard Moses say, Abba. Jesus is releasing a revelation that they had never heard of and they never had lenses to see God in this way. This is the lens, friend. I'm telling you, friend. This is the whole reason why Jesus came. Religion tells you Jesus came to the cross to forgive you of your sins. Jesus came far more to the cross than just to forgive us of our sins. Come on, somebody. He came to restore the image of the Father and put us back in the perichoresia, the great dance. Jesus did not die so that you could come to church on Sunday morning and pay your tithes and do a little worship dance. He, he came so that we had full access in the Father's house, in the dance, 24-7. If we had that revelation, people still go into church instead of realizing they are the church. We quit going to church years ago. Actually, this dance right here becomes a struggle sometimes for me. But I never have a struggle with the dance when I'm just, just me and him. Are you with me now? All right. So he never heard this language. I mean, who is this guy? I mean, he's, he's talking about God like he's, like he's got great access to it. We know him as Yahweh. Holy. I, I, was, I was praying. This was, this was a couple weeks ago. I was praying, and I felt like the Lord showed me a video of me preaching, and I was preaching right here. And I preached this probably about... 12 months ago, but I can tell you now, I don't believe it. <laughs> Has anybody, you ever wrote something that, and then five years later wrote something else, you don't believe what you wrote? That's because you're evolving in your relationship. But I, I remember preaching, and I, I remember throwing my hands out the way I do sometimes, and I come down with great authority and said, He is holy. He is holy, friend. Are you with me now? But when I said that, I felt like the Lord prompted me and said, You said it in a legalistic sense. Because most of the time when we hear that God is holy, it is in a legal setting or judgmental stance towards people. And when me and Mitch was in here, listen here, God is so secure in His, whole, in his, in his holiness, His wholeness, that He is not unconcerned with your unholiness tainting His wholeness. Come on, y'all. I said God is so secure in who He is in the perichoresia, in His divine wholeness, Holiness, He's complete. Are you with me now? I feel the Lord in this room. That he is, he is not afraid of me touching Him with my unholiness because my unholiness will not affect His wholeness. His wholeness will start affecting my unholiness if I can ever get my unholiness to His wholeness. But religion teaches us that we got to stand at a distance and hope we make it through. God is not saying that in Jesus. He's in the body of Jesus reconciling the world back to himself, not counting their sins against them. This is the Bible, friend. This is what the book of Corinthians said. God is in Jesus reconciling the world back to himself, not counting their sins against them. So actually, if we preach this thing called the gospel correct, every time Paul preached the gospel, he had to put a disclaimer on his message. And the disclaimer was, y'all don't go out there and run crazy now. 
point with me up in here. He said, listen, don't use the freedom that you have, the liberty that you have to do crazy stuff because you're coming under bondage again. But you're absolutely free. For years, the reason why the church ain't advanced down in the south because we got fence after fence around the church. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is trying to pull the tent pegs up around the church and let the fence out, just let the people out in the pasture run wild and go crazy one time. Come on, somebody. It's the kingdom of God, not the zoo. Religion always gives us the zoo. The eagle hops around on the ground so we can go look at it. We don't want to mess nobody up because we don't want to offend nobody. I wish to God that the Holy Ghost would come in here and offend us all one good time. Are you with me now? We're not after the zoo, man. We're after the kingdom of God. All right. Now the Pharisees, just like religious people, they get ticked off. Well, who does he think he is? Calling him Abba. We never heard this before. We know him as Yahweh. We know him as the Holy One. The Ten Commandments. We know him through the law of Moses. We know the thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that and thou, shalt, thou canst do that. That's what we know. But here he is walking the streets, calling him Abba, hanging out at sinner's house. Who is this man? Calls himself a prophet. If he was a prophet, he would know what manner of woman that is, Mary Magdalene, at his feet, washing his feet with her, with her hair. If he was a true prophet, he would know what that is and who that was that is doing that. Come on, this is the language. When he's In John 8, when he catches the woman in adultery and all of the religious folk out there with the Bibles open says the law of Moses says we shall stone her, but what do you say? He looked at them and said, listen, I'll tell you unto you, those of you that without sin, you cast the first stone. And here's the reality, friend. Everybody's got something they're trying to overcome. And my, I fear that sometimes when we get in the church, we get Christianized and Christianese so much that we forgot the struggles that we started out with. I ain't always been this clean, and I'm far from clean today. Come on, somebody. I ain't always had the best language. So what I do know is this, that freedom comes in incremental processes. Did you hear what I said? Freedom comes in incremental processes. Jack Frost said this, you never know what, you never know what you're in need of deliverance of until you've been delivered. See, the Bible says this, here's another side note. It says that Absalom lived two full years I preached a sermon on this. I got this out of the God Chasers by Tommy Teeny. He said that Absalom lived two full years without seeing the king's face. There's so many people go to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday night after Wednesday night, read every book, read their Bible, read, uh, read uh, devotionals when they wake up every morning, and they have never seen him face to face. Never seen him face to face. This long distance relationship, you all right? I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it. So this language was new and it was unheard of. Abraham known as the friend. He, he, you don't hear him say this. Jesus was now in the flesh closing the gap between us and the Father. He came to give us a new lens to see the Father and how He truly is. 100% good. 
So look at this in, in Matthew chapter 3. Stay with me right here. I'm almost done. Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 13. Let me, see, let me just, I think we start in verse 13. Then Jesus left Galilee to come to Jordan to be baptized by John. But, when, but he waded into the water. John, resi uh, John resisted him saying, why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. And, 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 and yet you come to me to be baptized? Jesus replied, it is only right to do all that God requires. Then John baptized Jesus. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of heaven and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky saying, this is the Son I love. Look at this. And my greatest delight is in him. Jesus is displaying a relationship on earth. A man in the flesh submitted to his father. He's in love with the father and the father's in love with him. Come on. Father's not distant. You know the song, God is watching us from a distance. And that's what we believe. And that's how we act when we come into church. Because when the worship starts, when we done bad this week, when we cussed the lady out at the drive-thru because she said pull forward and left us out there for 35 minutes in the heat and the car was running hot. Come on, this is real life stuff. Y'all don't do this, I know. Huh? Or that big fish broke your line and you said something you shouldn't have. Y'all ain't never did nothing like that, I know. I'm just trying to work it out my own salvation with fear and trembling right here. Huh? Or you missed a big deer. I tell you what, if Jesse, if you go get a framing hammer out of the truck, we'll hit everybody on the thumb right here. We'll see what's in them real quick. <laughs> I remember one time listening to Pastor Dale, and he 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 said this. I mean, you'll remember this, Steve. He and uh, Miss Jill went to the movies, and her pocketbook got stolen. You remember that? And he was up all night calling all those credit cards. You know what I'm saying? And he, this is how he ended this message. He said, if you can call all of those credit card companies, believing to get one person on the line, just one real person on the line, if you can do all that without cussing, then God bless you. <laughs> all right, I better quit telling his sins like he might, someone might watch it come. Listen. All right, so what we, what we encounter in Jesus is his, is, his, is his approach to God is extraordinary language and his confident familiarity with God. And God's own declaration from heaven is about him. It is a divine human relationship that is unparalleled in biblical history. They had never seen this. They seen a prophet have access to God, but he was always distant. They seen a man named Abraham who was a friend of God, but he never referred to him as Abba. Now we got the Christ on the earth. He's calling his dad, dad, papa. I mean, intimate setting of like they are at complete at home with one another. love of God. All right. Look at this in Matthew 12. I'm almost done. Getting to the end. Right here in Matthew 12. Then I want to read you a story. All right. Now Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and motives. Am I right right here? 
I'm, I wrote it wrong right here. Man, where did I write this at? Hold on. All right, let's go to Matthew 11. Right here. Then Jesus exclaimed, Father, thank you for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. And you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. This is the Pharisees. They got it figured out. They know it, man. They, they know the Greek and the Hebrew. They got it. But you've hidden something from them. Look at this. And you've hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it with these, these who humble themselves. Yes, Father, your plans delight your heart. Look at this. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart. Look at this, the excitement that you hear in Jesus, how he's communicating in prayer back to his Father, how the Father is excited about the plan that is unfolding. Because you and I are in the perichoresia. Friend, I'm telling you, man, maybe this is, you think, golly, John, you should have known this years ago. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm just telling you this, there's something shifting in my heart because I spent 25 years trying to build ministry. I, I could care less about building ministry. And listen to this, the Holy Spirit is not about building ministry. The Holy Spirit is about bringing the revelation of who the true Jesus and the true Father is in your life. That's all he's worried about building. He's not worried about building your great vision, your great dreams, or your great plans. Are you with me now? He's worried about building and unfolding the person of the Father inside of your life. That is it. All right. We were, I was meeting with this company out of, uh, that's doing some work for me, out of Atlanta. We were on this conference call, and Catherine was there. And I told him this, this is what I told him. I said, you don't, I said, you don't paint me up as a great pre preacher. Because I'm just telling you, this is just what, I, I don't know how to put language. I'm just telling just tell you this all where I'm at. And I'm going to read you this, something from Jack. How many has ever read any book that Jack Frost wrote? Uh, that's amazing. That's great. Jack Frost wrote a book. How I got introduced to Jack Frost was Bill Johnson used to have on his website the book he was in right now. He would have a little tag over here, the book I'm reading right now. And I saw one day that Bill Johnson was reading a book by Jack Frost, not talking about the one on the Santa Claus that froze everything up. There was a man by the name of Jack Frost. He lived in Daytona Beach, Florida. His dad was a tennis pro, and his dad was a very hard man on him and his brother. And Jack wanted nothing to do. He, did, he tried the best he could to please his father by being a tennis professional, but he felt a longing to the, to the sea. He wanted to go fish. And so he had made it up to what they called, uh, I think it was called Top Hook or something like that, where they caught the most fish or whatever. And he's out in the middle of the water one night. He's out in the middle of the Atlantic. He's miles offshore, and he's got the Doobie Brothers playing. Give me the peace, Lord, that frees my soul. Come on now. We've seen that at Cutting Edge. Remember that? When he's a little boy. Give me the peace, Lord, that frees my soul. I want to get lost in the Holy Ghost and drift away is what we did. Sing it. And so he's out there and he's thinking, he said, God, if there is such thing as peace, I'd love to have it. And all of a sudden, God encounters him on that boat. See, man, I'm telling you, you got, God, I cannot do this justice how much the Father's pursuing you every day. 
regardless of where you believe. Steve, I thought about this this week. You know, um, because we're in a small town, we got all our history together. You know, when you in your seven year sabbatical that you took or whatever you ticked off with the church with God and everything else but you know this the father's constant pursuit that was all that was is a meeting with father that he had set up that day to pull it right back not one time did he leave and go back did he ever hear father say this I can't believe he was out there for seven years son I can't believe all of this. When Peter was brought back after he was cussing and everything else and Jesus saw him standing on the shore, he never looked at Peter and said, I cannot believe you bloated in the final hour. I can't believe you couldn't even stand up and say you knew me in front of a teenage girl. He just immediately goes back to his heart and said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, feed my... I've heard it preached well. He had to confess his love three times because he denied three times. Listen, it would, God would have made him confess 26 times. What he was looking for was the root that was in his heart. Religion don't want to find no root issue in your life. It just wants you to in the penalty box to pay the time so that we all feel better about it. But the kingdom is all about finding the root issue, what is causing it. It's not what you do, but why you do it. That's the issue. It's not what, it's why. What causes this? And so he's, he, he's in this, he's in this, give me the peace, Lord. The power of God comes on him. But you got to understand, he's got a ton of baggage. I mean, he was raised by an angry father. He's an angry father. His wife really don't even, Trisha don't even like him. His kids tolerate him. I mean, he's this mean dude. But now he has this encounter with the Lord. But where he really encounters God is after he goes Matter of fact, he had, what was it called? Shiloh Ministries, right? That was the name of his ministries. And he, he talked about being embraced in the Father's heart. Being embraced in this. What, what revelation did he get? What changed Jack Frost's life? What revelation changed his life? That he's not some distant God, that he is Abba Father, that he longs to have a relationship with me. And he accepts me 100% where I'm at. Come on, y'all. I said that he accepts me 100% where I'm at. All right. People get upset with him. Man, he just saying he accepts everything. All right. Listen to this. All right, I got to finish reading this right here, and then I'm going to do this. All right. Instead, you've shared it with these who humble ones. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. Look at this. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father. And no one fully intimately knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Here's what Jesus is saying. Me and you have this relationship. I'm in the dance. I'm on the earth revealing you to the people, putting new lenses on the, on the people so they can see you as Abba, no longer a distant God. I know the secrets about you. And whoever draws closer to me, I will begin to unveil the secrets that I know about you intimately. Let me tell you something. You may know me, but I can tell you this, that Grant knows things about me that you don't know. And Catherine really knows things about me that you don't know. There's nothing that she doesn't know. And there's nothing that I don't know about her. Where did that come from? That comes from shared intimacy with one another. 
that comes from vulnerability, letting down the walls with one another. That comes from surrender to one another in complete trust that I can lay myself bare to her because I 100% trust her that she's not going to injure or hurt me. This is the relationship Jesus is talking about. And he said, those that draw close to me, I have the ability to share those secrets with you. God, y'all, this is good. I, I, I'm almost done right here. I got to be done. Listen to this. You cannot, listen to me right here. If you don't hear nothing else, I say listen to this right here for this week. You cannot draw close to an angry God. You cannot draw close to an angry God of whom you are afraid. And when you feel you must strive to gain his approval, you will begin to compete with other Christians around you. There has been nations evangelized. There has been souls won, churches built after churches built, all in one thing called selfish ambition, striving, trying to win the Father's approval. Are you with me now? You cannot draw near to an angry God. I know Jonathan Edwards preached it. Sinners in the hand of an angry God. But he had an incomplete revelation. Come on, y'all. The foundation for intimacy with God is the, realiz is the realization that we are his happy thought and that nothing will ever say or do can change his mind about us. Unconditional love is never based on the merit of the one receiving it. It is based upon the loving nature of the one giving it. Finish with this. This is... Um, I'm done right here. This is Jack after he's, he's Captain, uh, his, Captain Bly, I think, is his, is his handle. Captain Bly is who he was. His book that he wrote, Out of, Sun, Out of Slavery and the Sonship, is absolutely amazing. I haven't read that book but about ten times. It is absolutely amazing. His book that he wrote on the Father's embrace is absolutely amazing. And I haven't read it but about 15 times. Are you with me now? Mitch, when you start out with Mitch and you want to go through his restored program, one of the first books that Mitch will give you is The Father's Embrace by Jack Frost. Because what? You cannot draw close to an angry God. Are y'all with me? You cannot draw close to an angry God. All right. So he has this, he's, 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 he's a little bit rage and anger, which I'm guilty of this. I'll be the first to say. And so when this company's doing some work for us, I told him, I said, I don't want, me being a preacher I do not want that to be the image or the face that we show I said what I want you know because I'm just being honest with you I don't I don't have any social media I don't I don't know much about I don't get on I don't look at websites and reason why I don't have social media because when people act crazy on there I'll be the one that spoke out you know what I'm saying so I just had I just had to hand them up you know and I've come a long ways in my life, you know. Um, but when you click on somebody's media ministry profile and watch it, what they want to show you is their accolades that they've got behind the pulpit or whatever. 
I've seen every miracle there is to see under my hands except for blinded eyes and a paraplegic walking and the dead being raised. Deaf ears. I mean, cancers fall off. I mean, I... I Catherine remember this it was dead as a hammer in the service and the power of God come on me and there was a woman in a, in a soft cast with a destroyed ankle that Dr. Lex Kennedy uh, was saying that had to, was going to have to have surgery and all of these things the power of the Lord came on me and just instantly I had a divine knowing that God was going to heal her instantly you remember this man snatched her up out of there she goes back to Dr. Lex Kennedy her ankle is completely restored they told her to put it in a tennis shoe and go home that's amazing. That's amazing. But here's the meat that will last forever. Okay? Not saying that, hey, God did that. That was amazing. Okay? I'm not, I'm not diminishing that. Okay? I'm just, I don't know that I'm doing just this. But I said, what? You click on there and, you know, and they promoting the ministry, how well they can speak or whatever. But here's the number one ministry. I said, you put that I'm a husband and that I'm a father. When are we going to start training back? I'm just asking you this. When are we going to start training back about marriage when it comes before the leaders? Because if this is not a prophetic sign in Christ in the church, then I'm a failure in here, friend. I don't care how well I can preach and how many goosebumps I can put on your life. What really matters, this is what endures the test of time. And what matters to me is not what you say, how I can communicate with a mic, how much revelation I got, or how many people come to my office for counsel. What matters to me at the end of the day is what are my children going to stand over and say about me? If they don't say that I have a prayer life, if they don't say daddy loved our mama like Christ loved the church, I have failed, friend. But see, we don't train that. We don't train that. That, that. Young leaders don't hear that. What they hear is you go get revelation and go teach people how to run for revival. It's quiet up in here. I'm just trying to tell you what's standing test for time. Maybe she's old school. I spent my whole life trying to tell people how to burn for God. When you realize God burns for you, you will never have to tell you to burn for God again. I'm going to say that again. When you get the revelation that God burns for you, no one will ever have to tell you to burn for God again. Because it's that burning flame from Him that causes you to burn back for Him. You can't love God without Him giving you love to love Him back. And that whole mess we heard about returning to our first love, that's about you finding your burning flame for God. No, that's about you realizing He first loved you. So this is, this is a man that was jacked up, has an encounter with Abba, and this is what is written about him. This is not written, written about him from his, from his ministry accolades. This is not written about him from Toronto where he was up at the Father's Heart Revival. This is not written by Pastor Bill Johnson who, who Jack Frost greatly influenced. This is not written by none of those. This is written by, this is an essay written by, about him by his girl when she was in school, his daughter. And this is what she said. The greatest influence in my life is my dad through him I have seen the eyes of Jesus and felt his unending love at one point not very long ago my dad was a man to fear he was Captain Bly of the HMS Bounty 
now he is gentle as a lamb, not to mention just as loving. Through watching my daddy change from being a hard man to a tender has influenced me to change. His new patience has helped me bring through a very difficult year. Seeing my father love and cherish God like never before has done miracles for me. Instead of reflecting, instead of referring to God like a holy being, he refers to him as daddy. Now instead of fearing my dad, I crawl up in his lap and I find a very cherished peace. What I cherish most about my father is his smile. I also love the way he sits with me and helps me with my faults in a loving way. Whenever I do something good, he notices that too. My dad is changing in so many areas. I'm so proud of him. Every time he looks at me and smiles, I explode inside with joy. My daddy has been the greatest influence these past four months. I forgive him for being Captain Bly in my early years. I love you, Dad. Friend, I'm telling you, we just, I don't know, maybe this is my prayer today for you. And maybe you don't, I don't know what you got out of today. And maybe some of you just like, you know, sometimes I listen. I don't listen to Damon that much, but I did listen to his Easter message from this past year. And sometimes I'm like, I wish Damon was just going back. You know, when he wore the dickies, it looked like he was changing oil and <laughs> hollering and screaming. You know what I'm saying? But I have seen people find the grace message. By the way, grace is not a message. It's a person called Jesus Christ. And I've seen them, and it take them over into arrogance. But let me tell you, when you found grace, it takes you into brokenness. It takes you into humility. And it takes you into awe and wonder of a great Father that He truly is. So, friend, I bless you with that today. I pray the day that I've been able to help you put some lens on you to see not your Father as some distant being, but as a God that is always there helping you. Friend, even when you don't realize it, He's there. He's in your... And let me just say this, in our immaturity, because I, I, I am a father and I do, I do have three kids and I do have spiritual children. And <clears throat> Catherine says sometimes, I, w- I just wish these come with owner manuals. You know, it's, don't you wish your kid had an owner manual? You know what I'm saying? When it's throwing off this error code. And my daddy only knew one error code and he only knew one fix, beat him down. Did y'all, y'all, y'all want to raise like, you know what I'm saying? I had an air code talking back, beat down. Huh? Not wanting to work, beat down. I'm like, Dad, there is something else we can do here. You know what I'm saying? I cut up, and my, and my sister probably because she got whipped more than me. That's because she was mean. She's still mean today. But anyhow, <laughs> I don't remember I don't remember ever getting whipped for real, though, about eight times. But I do still remember the eight I got, and I'm 42 years old. I mean, he would... And then you was always, you, you, I don't know if you was like this, but my family, then we had, after we got the beat down, we had to go out in front of the whole family. And then we heard, you know, boy dried up, I'm going to give you something to cry for. <laughs> y'all daddy probably didn't say that to y'all. And my dad folded the belt over and popped it about seven times before he ever hit you with it. So you was already in utter, I mean, fear for your life. These kids don't know nothing about it today. Huh? They don't know nothing about that. Lord Jesus, I better quit. I'm out there knowing I done, I done exposed my own father for beating me down like that. It didn't do nothing but help me. Um, correction. 
But I'm just telling you this, I do believe a lot of things will change when we see him as Father. Raise your hands. Lord, I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you today for your goodness, Father, your love, your passion. Lord, I pray right now, let the people in this room feel your passion towards us. You are passionately pursuing us. We are your delight. We are the apple of your eye. You have nothing but smiles on your face when you look towards me. You chose me before the foundations of the earth. Father, let it be said about us. Let the letters be written, Lord, right now how we have been transformed from Captain Bly unto a tender man. Father, we want people, when they see us, to see the face of Jesus. We want to be able to put lenses on the world around us to know that the Father's real, the Son is real, and the Holy Spirit is real, and they're in the dance, and I'm in the dance with them. I thank you for your great love for us right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Say that out of your mouth. You love me with a great passion. Father, I thank you that you love me with a great passion. Come on, say it out of your mouth. you got to say it to believe it. Come on now. I thank you that you love me with a great passion. I thank you, Father, that you are pleased with me. Man, I can't. Come on, y'all. Church, this is an exercise right here before we leave, okay? This is an exercise. Say out of your mouth. Father, I thank you that you love me for your neighbor to hear. Some of you need to scare the devil one time now. I'm telling you right now. Father, I thank you that you love me. You're pleased with me. I am your beloved son in whom you are well pleased. In Jesus' name. Will you give God a great God bless you, friend? Hallelujah. All right, God bless you. Hey, don't forget, don't forget, catch Wednesday night. You want to get that. We're going through, I think, 13 things on accusation. Yes, we do get to all 13. And uh, it's really, really great. It's well worth your time. Uh, so don't forget that Wednesday night. And God bless you. We'll see you here next Sunday morning. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.